This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention, I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist, as host. It is a sports edition of Star Talk where we are going to talk about drone racing. That's even a thing. And I got with me Gary Riley. Gary. Hey. You, you, you're the sports guy. I am. Because you were ex-pro footballer. Thank you. Yes. He still, we, he still is an ex-pro footballer. You were a present tense ex-football player. Yes, I yeah, am. Football as in soccer. As in soccer. Yes. Chuck. Hey, man. Love you, man. Love you, too. And we, we slipped some guy. Who's this guy? Uh, yeah. This is, this is Nurk. 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 Yeah. Nurk. Paul Nurkula, known yeah. only as Nurk. This is the 2018 Drone Racing League champion and a man with his own YouTube channel. Fantastic. Yep. Yeah. Wait, wait. First, that's all a thing? That's all a thing yeah. now. That's a thing. Yes. It is. You anybody be, tell you like Nurk is a little too close to Nark? I don't know if I would. Uh, no, it feels like nerd to me. Oh, well, see, but nerd is a good thing. I, now. Because yeah. I don't do drugs the way you do, so it sounds like nerd to me. <laughs> sounds like Nark to you. I no longer wow. do drugs. No longer ex drug dealer. <laughs> okay. Let's stick with dealer. Nerd. Wow, I've graduated. <laughs> well, you're so fluent in metric. I thought. Aren't you right. glad you came? <laughs> Absolutely. Good. <laughs> nerd, nerd. All right, so tell me about your guest here. What do you got? All right, so Paul is one of these guys that has a passion and his passion has brought itself into drone flying. Now, it's it's an easy, it's a sort of split off of the eSports universe. These aren't guys who just sat on a sofa with a control panel surrounded by cans of Red Bull. Some of these guys are actual athletes and yeah. when you get to fly one of these things, you realize they're going at 
90 and probably more than that miles per hour. They're racing on 3D courses. They're not racing against the clock. They're racing against other pilots. Yeah. And the clock. <laughs> well, I mean, if they're in the front, they can strategize just like you would do in a Formula Absolutely. One race. Absolutely. So there's all sorts of things. So this guy actually now becomes an athlete, becomes a racer. And we like the idea of the fact there's so much tech involved in what he does. It's another way to explore the mm. world of science and sports. Well, I, I got to tell you this. So I know about your world, Paul, or Nurk. It's, which one is it? Both are fine. Okay, all right. <laughs> so I used to come home from doing comedy. ESPN used to have these races on, drone, actual drone races. They would be inside of like a warehouse with a set. There were like certain hazards that you had to navigate. They were racing against you. And, you know, I couldn't sleep, but I'm watching it. And I got to tell you, it's super hype. You get yeah. sucked in. And I realized I should not come home and watch this crap and then try to go to sleep because you'd be so adrenaline-filled from watching it, you would have trouble sleeping afterwards. So how is it racing? Yeah. Well, so there's a temptation when you're looking at something like this, like a robotic sport, as like 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 you're saying, like it's just yeah. a bunch of guys that sit around and drink Red Bull. Like I don't particularly look like an athlete. I know I recognize that. Okay, but, I didn't want me to win. But you want to break the news? Oh, thank God, I don't have to break the news to you. Yet. All right, that's it. No, but <laughs> but I, I look at it like a precision sport. So you look at precision sports. That's racing. That's bowling. That's archery. That's you know Olympic level sports are these things where it's about repeatability. Did you have bowling in the same sentence as Olympic uh, level? Yeah. Did he put those? Ar two? I meant archery as the Olympic oh, level okay. thing, but you know, but like, but it's all about repeatability. It's all about measuring what you can do to do better. It's about gathering, you know, analyzing how your performance was so that you can take it out and do it the next time. Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, we're athletes of the mind as much as anything else, and that's allowing us to compete at the highest level, building you know three D courses in some of the coolest places in the world. Absolutely. And when you say of the mind, it's definitely got to be. You got to be pretty mentally tough to to navigate these things yeah. and races. But well, just to be clear, time. when you say racing, I'm thinking who can get from A to B the fastest. Mm -hmm. But that's not what's going on here. It's more like A to B to C to D to. So, <laughs> so it's a navigational task. Yes. More than it is how fast can you go. You're not like Usain Bolt here. Right. You're just right. you're you are going around obstacles, I guess, and yep. this sort of thing. Okay. Yeah, and it's in uh, the drone racing league, especially is uh, spec racing. So we're all flying the exact same drone. So right. we've got a smorgasbord of drones here in front of us. But when we are at a race, the DRL brings six hundred identical drones. So it's, it's uh, NASCAR tries to be something like that. Exactly. There's a lot of specs that they right. satisfy, including right on down to the weight of the car. But itself. this is first person viewing, yep. which means you have sat there with a visor, with goggles, with a headset, mm -hmm. and there's broadcast quality cameras attached to your drones. Yep. So you're not flying it from stood somewhere here watching it with your watching eyesight. Eye, yeah, yeah, you're okay. doing it like that, so you're really involved. We're, so we're, you guys are Chuck, did he give you permission to pick that up off the table? Nope. Please do. <laughs> no, he did not. <laughs> but this is, uh, so these are look like VR headsets. Yep. And when you are looking through the VR headset, mm -hmm. you're, what? tethered to the camera on the drone. Yeah, so we see as if we're on board the drone. So like you, when you're flying it, when you're riding along, it, it you oh feel like God. you're a bird yeah. or Superman. Like, like you just write it, like you're there. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. Hang gliding off the bottom, off 
inside the drone. Yeah. Right. So, like for example, when I tell people that when I'm flying, like it feels like an out of body experience. <gasps> can, right? I, can I pick? This yeah, up? please, absolutely. Like there's moments I've had, and I still have, where I'm flying around outside, getting some practice in, and I see somebody sitting in the corner. I'm like, who's that? Oh, that's me. You know, oh, I was like, because I forget that I'm not on board the drone. Oh, so you have an out of body experience? Absolutely. Oh, that's really Whoa. cool. Yeah. So I see two cameras. There's like a simple GoPro yep. up here, and then there's another lens down here. Yeah. So which one are you? So I'm the one on the bottom. This the, one here. The lower lens. It's that transmits the information at a much lower response rate. So we oh, there's only like 25 milliseconds of delay between that camera and what I see. Milliseconds, um, a thousandth of a second. Yeah, and okay. it's important to have that as low as possible. Right. Yeah. So that you ever you so want to be able to respond to, to respond. Whatever you're Right. right. See, yes. then the angle of the camera is important. I'm going to ask you that. So, All right. So if easy. this is hanging like this, then the, the fan blades will just keep it buoyant. But you yes. want to move forward, you're going to have to tilt that yep. so that it pulls it forward. Yep. But now you're looking down at the ground. Correct. So we tilt the camera and leave it tilted at the beginning to about 45, 50 degrees. Uh, so that when we're, when, you do. when we're flying straight and level, according to what we're seeing, it's really tilted 50 degrees forward. To go forward. To go forward. And that's what allows us to go 100 miles an hour. Uh -huh. All right. I, oh, wow. How, is that the actual what? speed? Yeah, so these top, so these drones can top out around 100, 120. Um, for the show, they top out about 80, and they go zero to 60 in less than a second. So how much do these wait, cost? Wait, wait, Chuck, zero I, to 60 in less, less than, than a, a second. second. Wow, <laughs> that's pretty wild. Wait, wait, yeah. does, so does the FAA know about this? The, that part they don't. They're they're not worried about. <laughs> okay, but we fly inside. We yeah. fly with all of the licensure and stuff that we need. Absolutely. Okay. So, so now, but, we, wait, wait, when, but when, if you ever go outside, then you can't tell the FAA. Then we stop at 99. Stop. Yeah. Okay. Oh, why? So, is there a regulation about 100 miles? There is. Oh. Yeah. And what would that regulation be so that we can make sure that no one ever <laughs> breaks <laughs> it? He can never, he never flies higher than 100 miles. No, right? never. Okay. No. So now when you guys are flying, because I've seen these, man, sometimes you hit things mm -hmm. and these drones, they are no more. They're, well, they're a lot of pieces. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how much do these things cost? Because then... And this looks very home. And are they yours? Yeah. Because in the next race, the guy who crashed, he's still back in the race. I mean, they still have a drone. There. So, so there's a little give and take there. So when we're flying for the league, the league brings all of the drones for us. They bring 600 identical to each race, and they say, "Go as fast as you want." You know, if you crash it, no hard feelings. That being said, you know, I know all the tech guys, the like the guys that build all the drones, like they're the heroes of the show. They're my favorite people, but I don't want to crash too many of them because I don't want them to be like after the race, like, what are you doing, man? But you <laughs> could, if, if you crash, you're allowed to just grab another one. Is exactly. That right? okay. yep. But you could you could build this yourself. Absolutely. So this, the drone that we've got here, um, I have built myself um, uh, with individual components set aside. Uh, it's a, called a, that one's called the Shen Drone Squirt. It's just a tiny little, uh, you know, it's a squirt, it's a tiny little guy, and we use it to film and fly inside. It's a little bit slower, but it's very safe and protected. Mm -hmm. How important is it for you? Yep. Uh, uh, a squishy. Ducts. 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 Yes, okay. How important is it for you as a racer? to be able to build and understand every single part of Why? your drone. Good Thank question. you. Being able to build an, uh, like, so when, if, if you don't know how to assemble the drone, every time you crash, every time you break something, you're going to have to go get to a whole new one or go to someone else. You know, so if you have learned how to build it from the ground up, when something fails, you can swap it yourself in just a couple minutes. So right. when I'm out in the... No, but, if, okay, fine. You can, I get that, if it breaks. But if yeah. it's not broken and you're yep. racing, yep. does your knowledge of every single thing about that inform your strategic 
absolutely. actions. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I, you can pick and choose different kinds of components to suit different needs, right? Do I want it to be super durable? Do I want it to be extremely fra fragile but extremely fast? Do I want to find some kind of balance? Um, and that informs the kinds of decisions that I make when I'm on the workbench assembling the drone. So you've got three blades in your propellers. Yep. But you can you vary three, that. It's a three. Three prop. Yes. The tri-blade prop. Tri-blade, yeah. right. So you can go from two to three to four. To four to five to six. And it does what? In terms, of, in yeah. terms of what you're doing here. So we like to kind so in of… In other words, what's the advantage? Because you see yeah. some… Some mm. airplanes only have two propellers. Yeah, right? Right. You spin them and then yeah. three, four. Why, why, why have one number of propellers relative to another? So changing out different kinds of propellers, adding or removing blades, allows you to change depending on whether you want higher performance, higher speed, higher efficiency. You kind of pick and choose which of those you want and use that to decide what, what kind of… So in general, the more blades, the… The what? The better uh, maneuverability. Uh, but but it's, it weighs more. It weighs more, and the motors are working harder to spin the props, so you have a little bit less efficiency. There's oh, a little okay. bit more surface area, so it's a little bit less top speed. Um, mm. But if you go all the way down to like a single blade prop, where like it's like counterbalanced weights and stuff, it you know it starts to get much more uh, efficient. So right. if they are determining that each drone is going to be identical, mm -hmm. when you're practicing, mm -hmm. do you? try to match that or is there something that you can do that gives you an advantage when practicing like swinging a heavier bat mm -hmm. in practice mm -hmm. and then going to a lighter bat in the game yeah. yep. because you can get a faster whip around yeah so that's that's exactly right on the money we so when we're practicing drl sends us enough drones to get ready for the next race and all the parts that we need because we'll go and fix them and then actually a lot of people will actually strap two batteries to it and only leave one plugged in so that there, it is a little bit heavier, a little it's sluggier, a little bit more sluggisher. doggy, so that you mm -hmm. can kind of refine your racing line. Interesting, interesting. Wait, so, check how do you? Why are you so drone fluent? What's that? Why? Wh I'm drone curious. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just drone curious. <laughs> oh dear. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, first of all, if you've ever seen it, uh, well, one, when drones first came out years ago, I. Oh, God, why am I even telling this? I'm opening no, myself up for come. more abuse. <laughs> okay. So when drones first came out years ago, I tried flying drones. And it is very difficult. I'm okay. not talking about... You don't have the first time I saw a drone come at my... <laughs> okay. You have a drone baseball bat. You have a dedicated bat for drones. Dedicated for drones. Yeah. You got notches on the bat. <laughs> My dedicated drone just, bat. Just, 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 just. Right. Okay. Just. So the fun of flying a drone is. I, I wouldn't do it to your drone. <laughs> right. Of course. You tried to earlier. <laughs> <laughs> but the fun of flying a drone is not like what you would think, which is, you know, just lift off, forward, back. I mean, okay, that's going to get boring really, really quick. So the fun of flying the drone is finding something that you can maneuver. It's like going around stuff and through stuff and over and under, and that's when it becomes very difficult. But well, I would add, there are shots that you never would have gotten cinematically. Right. So, for example, when we filmed Cosmos, we went to the largest telescope in the world, nice. which is a non-steering telescope in a crater in the ground in China. Sweet. Okay, right. and we brought drones. And because it's just too big to yeah. get... If you're... Up upon it, you can't. You can't see you can't, it. You can't. Right. It's too yeah, big. Right. You yeah. can't grasp it. Yeah. So we had a drone, and it just lifted straight up. And I saw the monitor. It was like, whoa! Right. That was that. That was a money shot right yeah. there. So yeah. yeah. So I think it's not just the maneuverability. It's, it's 
point of view. It's right. Point, yeah. yeah, and for me, like that's one of the things that I like the most about it is it offers not only a, a unique perspective on like what's around you, but one of the things that's really cool about drones and the the hobby and the the passion of drones is that everybody is the same, right? You all have had this shared like collection of experiences. So I've traveled to to China, to Taiwan, to Germany, and gone and flown with people, and we don't have to share a language to oh. share a language. Right. And so not only does it offer a new perspective on the world, but also on people. And I, that's one of the things I like the most. So at the moment, we've got piloted drones, but we are adventuring into the world of autonomous drones. Yes. And at the moment, they don't stand a chance against a human pilot. No. What? Oh, oh at the moment. At, at the, the moment. moment. Oh, only at the moment. For now. That's, I, I know me some future where that's going, <laughs> and you ain't... Yeah. Excuse me. I, I, I for one, welcome thought. our robot overlords. So yes. yeah. <laughs> you will succumb like the yeah. rest of us so you're, to, our, well, to our AI overlords. You're in there pushing triple digits, and at the moment... Triple digit speeds. Yeah. Yes. In the moment, the winner of the autonomous drone competition was at 5.6 miles per hour yep. navigating a course. Yep. So that's a lot of catch-up. Yeah. Oh, I was okay. actually well, there just, for the that race. As, it's the same as driverless cars, right? I mean, that's the same real. The, the you're on route. Is, yeah, you're on route. But yeah. the truth is, I mean, a, it's not to the point where a car can actually be a human being behind right. the wheel. You know, like, but not, we, yet. We're, not we're, yet. Then that's what the Alpha Pilot program, which is which is a, a partnership between the Drone Racing League and Lockheed Martin, mm -hmm. uh -oh. is is creating. You know, <laughs> the framework for being able to create autonomy. All right, now that's some drugs. scary crap right there. Okay, oh, it gets Lockheed even Martin better. Has, has the F thirty five. That's what I'm saying. Yes, yes. Right, so it gets even better because you know one of the sponsors for the Drone Racing League is the U.S. Air Force. That makes sense. Isn't it just? They're just looking for pilots. <laughs> Duh. That's all, yeah, for are, drone pilots. This is the future of the. Listen, this is the future have, of all warfare. Wait, do you have like two huge thumbs or something? Like, Let's see. About <laughs> <laughs> normal. Yeah, it's it's the only fit part of my body right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, and something that I wanted to go back to yeah. that we talked about at the beginning was that we we, kind of, we mentioned esports, and yeah, we yeah. were talking about how esports are, you know, informing modern day performance in athletes and. One of the ways to become part of the Drone Racing League is to go through an online tournament. And so somebody can just sit down at their computer, play a simulator that's a one-to-one -one representation of what it's like to fly our drones and become a member of the show on NBC. Hmm. Wait, wait, so... Well, so that's a big no incentive. Yeah. It's a big incentive to win the esports category, to actually come in and be a racer with Nurk. Okay, well, all right. So and that tournament is happening right now. Let me ask a heretical question. Go ahead. Uh, if the simulation qualifies you to do it for real, why do you need the real thing at all? Right. Why not just create everything inside a simulation? Because yes. you can clearly create more interesting, more, more challenging, and more dynamic, and more course, dynamic in, you know, situations. Course obstacles. Right. But you don't get the, the visceralness of being in person to watch the drones come by. Because when they're screaming You're not watching by, the drones, you have the headset on. I'm not. But the audiences, the people that come to watch. Oh, you mean it doesn't become a spectator sport. Exactly. Uh, oh, because we can watch the we drones. Watch right. the we right. want yeah. people to see the technology okay, evolve. Okay, so what you do is you simulate the people as well. Okay. And then in their own mind, they are people watching yep. moving drones in the simulation itself. But they get mm -hmm. the first-person view, don't they? The spectators with the no, with the headwear. Oh, they can. They yeah. can. But we also we put everything up on Jumbotrons, yeah, and you can screen. see they can everything. Choose. Like it's, they yeah. choose, yeah. yeah. So now, what is more difficult? Because when you're flying a drone, and I'm holding the controller in my hand mm -hmm. right now, mm -hmm. and so when you're flying a drone, and you have the controller, and you're looking at the drone, that is completely different for your brain mm -hmm. when you are looking are at the a first-person representation yeah. of the drone itself. Yeah. 
So what's more difficult? It depends on who you are. So like so some people that, uh, for example, people that start with video games, like that have a lot of video game experience, tend to prefer to be in the goggles. Some people prefer line of sight. But for me, I think the, the most difficult part of either is maintaining your nerves, right? Because all of your controls go through these tiny little That's sticks right. that move like two inches in each direction. And if you have like a little bit of a nervous shake or something like that, the quad is going, right. you know, responding to you. So staying calm is the most important part. So he has nerves of steel. Nerves of steel. <laughs> Hands of a surgeon, <laughs> except he's flying a drone. You <laughs> carry somebody that could probably make more money as a surgeon. <laughs> so, um, has anyone considered some variant on Quidditch, like drone Quidditch? Absolutely. Like, because the bird we could then be just some um, right the uh, the snitch the snitch. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. So drone racing is such a young thing that, you know, we're starting to figure out new and new ways to do it. So, you know, whether that's just heads up racing where it's first to the finish gate, we're starting to do like team races where it's marathons. Like I've competed in a race that lasted 12 hours um, <laughs> on purpose. Like it was the first, most laps in 12 hours and stuff like that. And we're starting to see more and I more one. adaptions. You can have ultimate Frisbee and the Frisbee is a drone. Yep. So I can throw it in a certain way. Then mid course, it just takes off. Wow. Right? So that it's it's non... I like your Harry Potter idea better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We're just helping out here. I don't know. So we gotta, uh, we got to land this plane, land this drone. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. So any final thoughts you want to offer? Uh, tell parents who have kids yeah. who... Yeah, start playing still... video games now. It's the future. No. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, drones are such an awesome hobby, sport, both which whichever way you want to look at it. It's, you know, I've learned how to solder, how to troubleshoot, how to... I've refined my Google Foo, um, you know, my ability to figure things out. And, and I think that everybody should have at one point tried to fly, tried to build, and, and gotten into that technology. How many hours of practice will it take for somebody to be proficient enough to be a professional drone racer? During the season, I practice 10 hours a day. Oh like, I go to the field for at 10 a.m. and I'm there until 10 p.m. Mm. So in three years, you've done your 10,000 hours. Hopefully. And then... And now you're But in, in AI, yeah. will take how long? Overnight? Oh yeah, overnight. Yeah, yeah. So you did you did did your ten thousand hours? Yeah, I mean, I've I is I'll I'll be doing the ten hours a day for about a month at a time, rather than because like I gotta you know make some money once in a while and you know yeah. all those kinds of things. So yeah, and there's personal hygiene and this sort yeah. of thing, and your wife. Yeah, and and the in laws probably appreciates yeah. the personal hygiene sometimes. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. So rule number one: keep your fingers out of the blades. Lesson no, taught me because otherwise not good. Right. So Paul Nakala. Drone Racing League champion of 2018, and no doubt championships to come. We got to take a break, but when we come back, more on the drone racing universe. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely 
deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Hey, remember when we did that show about the science of the golf swing? Well, let's take that to the next level. And that's because PXG has developed the Black Ops driver so golfers don't have to sacrifice distance for forgiveness. And the science proves it. PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Ops drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. Now that's ridiculously high. The higher the MOI, the more forgiving the club will play. So you don't have to square the ball perfectly for it to go straight and get distance. Add PXG's new advanced material face technology and you get incredible ball speed that pushes the distance to the absolute limits. More forgiveness, more distance, no sacrifices. PXG Black Ops Driver. Hit your tee shot straighter and farther. The proof is in the science. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment. Go to pxg.com slash startalk and use code startalk at checkout. That's pxg.com slash startalk. Use code startalk for free shipping on all equipment. pxg.com slash startalk. Code startalk. Welcome back to Star Talk Sports Edition. Today we're focusing on the Droneiverse. Ooh, yeah, we just like invented. You did, we, did we, just we, make we, that up. We, the Droneiverse. The Droneiverse. It's, like it. it's ours. We own it. Uh, we've talked about racing them. That's that's understandable. Of course. Yes. Okay. Put that on the Speed Channel. But now it's time to look into the technology that's being developed outside of esports. Yeah. And to do that, uh, we've got our next guest, Justin Pierce. I think I pronounced that name right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Justin, we got you on on video call. Uh, did I yeah, say? Yeah, we can hear you. Good. Hear you. Did I pronounce that correctly? You did. Excellent. So you are uh, chief engineer at In Situ Inc. And it's a wholly owned subsidiary of Boeing Defense Space and Security. Oh, so you guys are doing okay. You know, this sounds important. <laughs> sounds important. That is, that's, that's the word I thought, important. And what is this? There's an RQ-21 unmanned air vehicle, chief engineer, at in situ for that vehicle. Is that correct? That's right. 
That's correct. That's that correct. Type model series. Okay, so what are all the specs of the RQ21, even the classified specs? What are they? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we'll start with those first. <laughs> <laughs> the, the RQ21A is considered a group three unmanned aircraft system or drone. Uh, for scale, that's about 16 foot wingspan, 10 feet long. 135 pounds when it takes off. Wait, so the group is, is the group a size reference? Yeah, that's correct. Mm -hmm. There's a group sizes that go from what you would expect on a low end, uh, like a, a quadcopter, all the way up to uh, a large um, group five platform. Uh, like Sounds a, like an like underfed basketball star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, group five is normally uh, my boarding position. <laughs> group five <laughs> on an airplane. <laughs> that's under the wing. They it's, strap you, you on. Go. That's where they, they put me. Hold on tight. Yes, you, you're in cargo. <laughs> what are you doing in this line? So, so what are the, what's it being developed for? Yes. Yes, yeah, so RQ-21 is a program of record. It's actually through development and fielded with the United States Marine Corps and the United States Navy. Today, it does intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance uh, and a number of important missions uh, for our troops. Oh, okay. And so uh, how does it differ? I mean, other than, of course, it has security elements. When the public thinks of drones, we, I think we think of the, the annoying ones that are buzzing around the park. And then we think of the military ones that get deployed in, the, in Iraq or, or Afghanistan. And yours is somewhere in between those? That's correct. Yeah, it's, a, it's size, scale, endurance. So uh, what we offer is a runway independent aircraft that's uh, launched from a catapult and recovers on a vertically uh, attached rope by its wing. It's designed for mobility. Uh, and transportability. Uh, some of the differences are special payloads that you'll see from a, uh, from a military perspective, but also encryption and different types of cameras we put on there to be able to see at night, thermal, uh, EO telescopes, um, just a little more high performance than you would have in that, that lower end uh, commercial drone you would expect, like a quadcopter, um, but not as large as, say, a Predator. And it's so, not, and, 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 and I got one last question I'm going to hand off to mm -hmm. these guys here. No, no, is, is uh, and I assume it's not autonomous. There's someone at the joystick? That is correct. There is, uh, it flies autonomously, but there is somebody at a operator workstation that is directing the behaviors of that aircraft, taking care of it if there's emergencies, and driving the primary payload, which is a, a electro-optical sensor that uh, is on the front of the aircraft. Oh, so it's basically a spy, it's a spy drone. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, okay. So right. they you prefer know. reconnaissance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Recon. <laughs> so, okay, we've got this amazing piece of machinery, but what sort of hurdles have you overcome to go from the quadcopter scenario to where you are now? And what are you still in process of, of overcoming for, for, for drones and their development? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the, the major areas that we focus on is, is reliability, as these are used with our warfighters. We want them to be reliable, always airborne and, and providing eyes in the skies. Obviously, uh, over the years, we've moved, and Situ has a family of unmanned aircraft systems or drones that it, it sells. So this is our largest version of aircraft with the smaller one being eight feet across. So how do you increase that size but still retain the way that it recovers? Because it, it's actually recovered on its wingtip, so that's a high energy recovery. Those have been some technical challenges that we've had to face. Oh, so structurally, it has to stay in one piece as the wing gets captured by your... By your yes. That's exactly right. Whoa. So let me ask you, with respect to that, it's uh -huh. kind of like an aircraft carrier, you know, the way yeah. it's made for mobility, it's made for being able to take off and land on the spot. But uh, it's really big. It's huge. 
So yeah. if it's made for mobility, does it collapse? Is it buildable on site? I mean, I can see with the capture system, if you're in rocky terrain and you want to do some recon, it makes sense, you know, but how, this thing is huge. Yeah, depending on the, the model of aircraft that, that we sell, we have a, a line of sight and a beyond line of sight capability. So you'll typically do launch and recovery in one area where you can have a little more room to set up, probably not near a runway. And the aircraft itself actually collapses and the wings come off in a modular fashion. The nose comes off. It all breaks down into very small cases that are, that are packed out. Okay. But well. that takes a human element. It can't just... It's not a. It's a fixed wing. That's the next model. It's the yeah. transformer version. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, please make that sound. Just build that soundtrack into the next drone. Just for <laughs> us. Whatever you do, your next drone, no matter what it does, should go. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. I'm sorry. Justin's looking at us like, what the hell did I get myself into? <laughs> How soon can I go home? <laughs> I got, hell yeah. <laughs> when will he release me? <laughs> what's What's the range on this? So, so typically advertised as 50 nautical miles is how far we can fly. Away, and then it can still come back. And then it can come back, always in positive control by the operator, equipped with a different uh, nose module or front of the aircraft. We can actually extend that 200, 300 nautical miles with our extended range platform. Is that because it's lighter in that extended range or you get more fuel? We use a different data link. Instead of using a line of sight uh, radio, we actually talk to space uh, over satellite communication. It allows us to not have to have line of sight between the operator and right. the airplane. Oh, so your so range now, is a line of sight problem. That's correct. Not yeah, how far it can not, fly. Right. Ah. Yeah, these so aircraft even when you're can flying, fly 16, 24 hours depending on them. Right. So even when you're flying 50 nautical miles, you could fly 300. It's just that for those purposes, you, won't be able to talk to it. you can't talk to it, so you need to just keep it to that 50-mile radius. That's exactly right. That is amazing. Okay, space. okay. So the, the quadcopter ones that we see kids playing with, those obviously, obviously use rechargeable batteries. At what point is the transition between batteries and actual fuel that is driving the energy of the craft? That's, that's an interesting question. I think it happens when we talk about groups or sizes. Typically, when you get to the 30 or 40-pound aircraft, you're looking at more energy density that you're getting from a, a fuel like, uh, like gas or jet fuel. Yeah. And that's yes, you mean gasoline. the transition point you'll see. But there are larger aircraft that fly hydrogen fuel cells and other propulsion sources that are different. Wow. But regardless, if above a certain size, the battery is not going to work for you. That's exactly right. Right. Okay, we're all considering electric vehicles in terms of cars and trucks and buses. Is that a viable source of power for a drone or is the battery weight just another hurdle that you won't be able to overcome for the moment? Yeah, it, it really is a trade-off. Um, typically with drones, the largest trade-off we're making is endurance and and payload mass. So when uh, I choose to equip myself with batteries so that I don't have to manage fuel, I'm typically going to get lower endurance. Some customers want that. They want to fly shorter shorter sorties or shorter missions. And so an all-electric aircraft can go a few hours, and that may be sufficient for them. Our customers have preferred persistent surveillance, and so we typically uh, don't use that because it's not as efficient. Uh, right? Our customers, our the customers. U.S. military. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, speaking of that, speaking of that persistent surveillance, so some police departments are now using drones yep. uh, such as yours. They keep them in the air pretty much all the time. When a crime happens, the drone goes to the crime, to the replace, and then what they're able to do 
is follow the action. So instead of a high-speed trace, whatever, they just basically, you know, mark a car and they're like, all right, we got it. Now we're going to follow and see where it goes. What other applications? And one, what kind of drone is that? Is it this kind of drone? Two, uh, uh, what other applications do you have for this type of drone outside of the military that you can't talk about? So yeah, typically um, you're going to have airspace. Uh, you're going to have airspace considerations for where you fly those type of drones. So we're typically seeing with police forces in in congested urban areas, you're, it's going to be a quadcopter or something of that oh. size. Typically not one of our aircraft today, but depending on FAA regulations, you can you can see us transitioning in the long term away from that. Some of the more interesting applications that we have are around infrastructure inspection. So uh, railroad or pipeline monitoring that's typically yeah. staffed by uh, somebody in a helicopter. Brilliant. And we like the idea of being able to uh, extend the reach of our platforms and in- encourage uh, basically pulling people out of uh, jobs that require them to fly around. Uh, there's no requirement for the aircraft to come back. So infrastructure inspection, uh, high resolution mapping, disaster relief and search and rescue. Um, so we've participated in uh, several disaster relief efforts. And then one of the more interesting ones we had locally was uh, wildfire support. So helping firefighters understand where the fire line is, how it's changing overnight, um, because they can't go and and fight wildfires uh, in the dead of night. So we're there to be able to provide overwatch for them. So do you and your staff, when no one is looking, do you race your drones? <laughs> That's a yes if oh, I ever. Yeah. Oh, no. Guilty. Oh, God. Guilty. That was amazing. That's oh, my God. I wish to go. And for those of you just listening, Justin got a look on his face like, oh, man. Why would you have to ask me that? Yeah. No, we, we typically have to have vertical and horizontal separation. There's no... Uh, there's no Knife edge passes. Yeah, he's lying uh, right there. Oh, by the way, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Plus, he imitated the knife edge pass yeah, with his hands. It, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. okay, Justin, if you've got that range of capacity in terms of infrastructure, search and rescue, and your agriculture, you must have an array of optics because you're using different parts of the spectrum to, to analyze what you're seeing underneath. That's exactly right. So if I'm doing a search and rescue operation, I may want to equip, uh, or I'm looking for a boat that's that's lost yeah. in the sea, I may want to use a payload like VIDAR, which is visual detection and ranging that constantly searches and gives an operator cues when it finds something that otherwise you wouldn't discern in water. And then I can put another camera onto that uh, potential target and or point of interest and mm-hmm. see what's there. For agricultural monitoring, you're looking at hyperspectral, so operating in different uh, in different bands to be able to create a picture of how those crops are performing. Yes. Yeah. And just, just to be Very clear. Very different sensors. With, as I understand it, hyperspectral imaging can give you early leads on the need for irrigation right. and, and, and the like. Water, yeah, less yeah. water. Are, are these built for speed at all or not? So, uh, as an example, our dash speed is on the order of 100 knots, so we're not talking Mach 1, but uh, obviously there are larger aircraft that are built for that, and they use different propulsion systems. All right, so... 100 knots, you're saying. How high does it fly? When you're- it, could, it could fly up to 15,000 feet, depending on avoiding acoustic detectability when we consider, uh, obviously, what we do for our defense customers. We typically fly anywhere from three to 8,000 feet, but it can go as high as 15 or more. Okay, so what's to stop me from watching you come in and I'll pull out my shotgun and just take you out of the sky? If you, if you, are, purely, if you are purely recon... And you have no armament, no offensive or or defensive measures. And I don't like you. I'm just going to shoot you out of the sky. 
This is America, right. Jack. <laughs> so the way we avoid that, obviously, there's the what we call the launch and recovery operation or takeoff and landing in a conventional aircraft. Those situations definitely have to have uh, perimeter and base uh, monitoring. You're susceptible there. Um, yeah, okay. And countermeasures. But when we're over a target, we mitigate that by the size of the airplane is relatively small. Uh, the color is typically gray. The engine is relatively quiet compared to what I can see at a given standoff distance. That's why we equip them with telescopes so we can stay far enough away but still see who is there. For some of the other applications, um, mitigating that isn't, uh, isn't something we worry about. We can fly as close as we need to to see as well as we want to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about piloted, we, we call them drones, you call them unmanned craft. Um, where do we go with AI? Because when we spoke to our drone racer, Nurk, Paul Nakala, the whole thing was a lot of prize money was put up by Lockheed Martin, a million dollars to be able to win an annual event. And the average speed of these racing drones is about five and a half miles per hour because they can't process the optic, the, the visuals. Mm -hmm. Now, how far are we from cracking that? Because that's, that's ridiculous. If all of a sudden you've got AI able to process like a human eye, with that speed, and then, you know, those speeds you were talking about, then they, they really do max out. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the evolutions of the industry we're currently in directly is attributed to what I would say uh, closely to Moore's Law and the ability to do advanced processing in smaller and smaller areas. So to do those very complicated high-speed processing, you need a lot of horsepower in your electronics. And we're finding in some of the payloads, including uh, VIDAR I just mentioned, you can do quite a bit there. The, I, I wouldn't uh, know enough uh, to comment directly on drone racing, but if there are projects like Project Maven in the DOD um, that are targeted at artificial intelligence, and in general, this is all about reducing uh, how much the human has to work, right? So today, I have an operator and one aircraft in the future, I think you're going to have an operator in many aircraft, and you're going to have aircraft doing missions that, that the operator doesn't have to have any concept of what's going on unless there's an exception, unless there's a problem. Well, that means the AI is, is doing what it's supposed is, to. Is doing what it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also, too, I just had a thought, and maybe it makes sense or maybe it doesn't. Um, the idea behind the AI, you could treat it like driverless cars, where the car itself, or in your case, the unmanned drone, would be uh, receiving the information, not actually doing the calculation. So the calculation is done on a base somewhere, and if you have 5G, that type of transmission technology, you're just really sending it split-second decisions as it's receiving it. So it doesn't really have to do the thinking. There's a brain someplace else. Does that make sense? Or am I just losing my freaking mind? No, no, it makes sense. Uh, today, even, when, I, when you asked before, is there a person in the loop? Yes, to monitor what the aircraft's doing. But when we tie algorithms with sensors and have autonomous autopilots that are moving the aircraft around, you can begin to see that the aircraft can, can do the entire mission with a person largely not in the loop. So we do that today. That's, that's where the market has gone. Cool. Mm, Actually, nice. we do that 
on the planes that we fly on and we don't know that we're doing it. Because half Autopilot. the time that we're on a plane, those guys are in the front. Smoking weed and chilling. <laughs> what airline are you it's on? Called what airline? Autopilot. It's called autopilot. It's called autopilot. No, no, it's a, it's a new airline called Get High with Us. Yeah. <laughs> high flyers. High flyers. CBD yeah. <laughs> air. CBD air. Justin, one last thing. Um, we're all, I think, comfortable with getting on these trams at airports, and we all know there's no there's no one conducting those trains. Right? They go between from one terminal to another. Yeah. And that, that doesn't freak anybody out. Okay, you just freaked me out. I didn't know that. You didn't know that. Look okay. around the front next well, time, I am Chuck. I'm getting on that tram again. <laughs> Thanks. So, so, to me, that's the beginning of our comfort level of what yeah. we will entrust to pilot that is autonomously run. So, how soon do you think we would have pilotless airplanes? Will that have to wait until long after we have pilotless cars, do you think? I think, I think obviously that driverless vehicles are going to pave the way for pilotless passenger aircraft. What's going to have to happen is uh, airspace deconfliction. There's going to have to be an ability to sense and avoid other people that are flying around so that it can make decisions. So that's more sensors. But I don't think the leap is that great from driverless cars to passenger aircraft. It all comes down to, uh, to safety. And there's a ton of people that are in this space and leaning forward. I initially expect that it'll be passenger aircraft that are optionally piloted. So similar to you would see today with so-called driverless vehicles, somebody has their hand on the steering wheel. And once even the if they're asleep, flying public their hand is on the steering wheel. <laughs> yeah, those the the videos of people driving that are asleep. I don't I don't think that's going to work for for optionally piloted aircraft. But I think as we gain confidence and trust, as you mentioned, Neil, uh, the the flying public will will begin to entrust themselves with that technology. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, Justin. Well, thanks for thanks for being with us on Star Talk. All right. Uh, so when we come back, we'll finish out our final segment with Star Talk Sports Edition. Do you want to set up your child for success? Of course you do. Maybe you want to save money on private tutoring, or maybe it's just out of your budget altogether. Is this a big school year for your child? Like maybe they're starting kindergarten, middle school, or high school, or some other milestone. Maybe your family moved and they're starting at a new school. Is your child ahead? Not getting challenged enough in class? Well, we love that little smarty, but we want them to be engaged. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. There's one site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids can use it at home on the computer or on the go through the app on your phone or your tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. And no more trying to figure out how to explain math equations or grammar rules yourself. IXL has built-in explanation videos. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. 
IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And Star Talk Radio listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash Star Talk. Visit IXL.com slash Star Talk to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. We're back. Star Talk Sports Edition. We're gonna land this plane somehow. Uh, yeah. You mean this drone? <laughs> this drone. Okay, so we had we've got Paul Nurkula, the Nurk, the drone racer. The drone racer. All right, we've got Justin Purse, who's our drone engineer. Mm-hmm. Purse uh, spelled Pierce. It is, but yeah. I think it's an Irish Purse. Purse. Oh, so God. I think this is how he said that. He said I, that good. Yeah, yeah. It, that bit. was a good broker. That was right a good. So I look at the drone racing and I look at who their their involvement is. It's NBC as a media partner. You've got sponsorship from Lockheed Martin and the good old U.S. Air Force. Mm-hmm. So there's a recruitment drive, a sponsorship, and a platform. I think what we've got here is a sport that might be just beginning, and I won't even go with the takeoff pun, beginning to grow itself into some stature. Mm. It, did you because get a buzz of, out of it? Because of that, that 360 support mm. from three very different branches of what we know has the power and the resources to keep something buoyant. Right. Well, the other thing, too, and we didn't even touch upon this, though, uh, and right now it's being kind of worked out, and that is airspace conflicts. Mm. So that delivery drones... You're thinking pizzas, aren't you? Well, I, I, in a way, I am, because guess what? That's going to be... I'm now yeah. hungry. Yeah. But, but that's going to be, like, probably the most drone traffic that we will see in our society, because... Uh, you know, think of the number of trucks that it will cut down on when you drop off. The, the, there'll still be trucks, but they'll just make a drop at a place, and then the drone will do the delivery because right. it'll have a pre-programmed route, just like the truck guy does. The, the truck goes to one hub, one yeah. hub, and then the dr- drones and, come back and, and forth the to the hub. Drones come back and forth Basically, to the you, hub. You're going to create a beehive with the drones, like, and they're just going to. A drone the, hive. A drone hive. Well, I hoped you'd get this. Let's just enough. hope they don't figure out how to make a queen. Oh, oh, snap. And then the drones take over. Ooh. The drones achieve consciousness. Rise and of they, the machine. <laughs> the rise of the drones. Rise of the and drones. And then they learn how to reproduce, and there's the queen. And so therefore, we're looking to continue with the size of the drone over 
built up urban spaces. Right. Because that's going to matter. That is yeah. going to matter. But that's the whole. But listen, right now in every single city, especially larger cities, there's a big fight as to what is the bandwidth of space or mm -hmm. airspace that you get, mm. and how big can your drone be? Because that's going to determine how many deliveries are going to be made. And, and I'm just to put be my clear, money on Jeff Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting my money on no Bezos. No matter what. No, no matter, matter what. what. So here's something I think that people need to remember. You might say, well, I can go to the store and get my... F fine. The drone can deliver your milk and your butter, right. okay, and your and your salad. But there's another use here that I think has gone underseen, under-recognized. It's... Right. Um, I live in, a, in an apartment building. Mm -hmm. I don't have a garage. I don't have a workshop, mm -hmm. okay? But I own a hand drill, okay? Mm -hmm. So I've had that hand drill for 20 years, and I can ask myself... How much time in total have I used that hand drill? Okay, I'm not a builder. I just need it for some emergency things here and there. I might have used it for 15 minutes. I mean, think about it. Right. How long does it take to drill a hole? All right? That's seconds. Right. right. 20 years I've used it for 15 minutes. So the future of drone deliveries might be all this crap that you own that you hardly ever use just let someone else own it. No, no. And I say, no. Wait, I don't and I like say, that idea. Why? Just be quiet, man. That's a good idea. We can do this. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> What's the problem? <laughs> You're just giving away all the good <laughs> stuff, right? We got to talk to him. I mean. So, I, so basically, I rent a hand drill yeah. with the drill bit I need. And yes. it's coming from a place that serviced it. Okay, Could like a honest. rental car. They 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 polish that. He keeps telling him he's I giving them away. I'm just saying. So that you way, you know Jeff Bezos listen to this show. <laughs> You're killing us. So 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 think about all the things that you that we would share. Right. There, there is basically shared, the shared economy. Economy. The share economy. The yeah. share economy. Absolutely. Like an old classic barter system. And I don't need. The storage space for it. No. Nope. Because I only and and I need it. I'll be here in 20, 15, 15 minutes. Fifteen minutes. And it's boom. Boom. And and you need a, a a special size drill bit. That's the one it gives you. Right. Did. You're not fumbling over the thing and the chuck. Like key. I told you, I hate that idea. It will <laughs> Terrible never ever idea. work. Terrible. Never. So that's a whole other thing other than just bringing today's milk. Absolutely. In fact, today's milk, let the let the refrigerator monitor your how much is in all your containers. And that, let, it uh, let it get your milk. Let it get let the milk. Send for the drone send for the, water. the milk. We're, we're exercising it in a positive way. But what if we exercised our mind, and this will happen because we know it will happen, how do I criminalize this little drone of lovely drone, little gaggle? No, what drone? you can do is you do can, that? I don't want to give people ideas, but, but if you know the frequencies over which they're communicating, yeah, just hack into the frequencies, right. just hack it, and, and, and it brings all the groceries to me, so right? Yeah, right. Exactly. And I don't have to pay for a damn thing. I just got grocery Jeff jacked Bezos again. Grocery jacked. jacked. Grocery oh. jacked again. Jeff Bezos is going to do that as well right. <laughs> <laughs> with Whole Foods. You got grocery jacked. <laughs> and believe it, that's happening right now. They call them porch pirates. It's people who just walk by places randomly and pick up whatever Amazon package is on a person. Oh, this street. is on on suburban streets. In suburban streets, right? They just walk up. And that won't happen in the city. No, you get your you get your whooping. Yeah, if people see you doing that. So this is. A whole, it's a, it's like we're witnessing the birth of an, of an, an entire a, an industry, industry, and, community, and technology. technology. See, the thing is, we've we've gone because the drones originated back in the beginning of the twentieth century, and it's always look the way he said that way back in, in the beginning of the twentieth century, way back. Wait, the twenty? And you mean the nineteen hundred and seventeen, something like that? Drones? Drones? Yeah. Well, Gary, you're telling me 
we had radio-controlled planes in the 19-teens? I do believe so. <laughs> and the good old military got there first. Well, wow. Nice. Wow. So they're thinking about... Uh, yeah. So we Pilotless flying. aircraft using radio frequency. Because back then we had... There's some big names back then. We had Tesla. Right. You know, Tesla the man. Right. Not the car. Not the car. <laughs> yeah. Right. Edison was still at it. Yeah. You know, there's just there's some fun inventors back then. So maybe it's obvious that that would have been the next thing they did yeah. because we were trying to control and understand radio frequency energy. No, and now that I know that we had pilotless planes back then, we probably had Teslas back then and didn't know it. Oh, <laughs> wooden wooden Teslas. Wood, wood. Wooden Teslas, right? <laughs> That's pretty cool, though. Uh, yeah. Right, so if you take a step back now, if right. you can have a radio-controlled airplane, that means you can, at the time, radio-control a plane carrying explosives and not put a pilot at risk yes. and attack an enemy. Yeah, man, Pe what, people are just, what, what's wrong with people? The moment you what's, start- What's wrong with people? The moment we start thinking about how we're going to kill each other, we come up with the most <laughs> brilliant stuff. Man, that's it. It's the, it's the blessing and the curse scenario. What should be a blessing, someone turns into a way to curse it. Mm, no. Now you, sound like my, now you sound like my parents. That's okay. <laughs> Talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That was the joke. By the way, I own an actual letter written by Orville Wright to a friend of his who asked him, you know, your new aeroplane, what is the future of that? Could it be used for, for evil ways? I'm paraphrasing. Right. He said, I hope not, but maybe it'll only be controlled by the, the by good the guys. Good the, the good guys, and then it'll be okay. So yeah. early in this, people were thinking about the weaponization of these tools. And I'm glad to see it worked out just how <laughs> just he <what>? hoped. <laughs> just how he hoped. Mm -hmm. By the way, I own a, a letter from Orville Redenbach. <laughs> Who said, thank you for buying my popcorn. You're such a good customer. <laughs> Did you weaponize it? <laughs> so the thing, we've gone from military to sport, and now it's back to sort of search and rescue. And we now seem to be entering, as well as the military phase, a more positive social phase where you can develop sense in infrastructure, pipelines, agriculture, development of crops, but then... And, and disaster, it's yes. very important. Yeah. Post, after tornado, right. after they... Forest fires. Plus, roads might be closed off mm -hmm. because of, of destructive mm -hmm. yeah. forces of nature, right. flooded, and, yeah, and fire. Yeah. So, yeah, so yes. I appreciate mm -hmm. the hopefulness with which you want to end Thank you. the show. Absolutely. That, yes, you have the, the, the militarization of things, but... When you pause and take a breath, you can say, how do we improve humanity for right. having done so? And the answer is drone racing. <laughs> drone racing! There you go. <laughs> and, Full and, circle. And fridges. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Chuck Nice, Gary O'Reilly, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson here, your personal astrophysicist, bringing you another episode of Star Talks Sports Edition. Until next time, keep looking up. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.